you have your Bible today, I'll ask you to open them up to the book of Matthew. We are still in chapter 5. We're going through the Beatitudes in the series that we've titled The Pursuit of Happiness. The Pursuit of Happiness. Um, in this country, I think it's pretty clear to see that we have some obsessions. There's In American culture, there's some cultural obsessions that we have. One of them is with this idea of happiness. I have a picture here. Uh, that I found in a news story recently of the Statue of Liberty with a smiley face on it because it's part of our, our culture, it's part of our founding document in, the, in the, um, the Declaration of Independence that we are entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In, in America, we have a fascination, I would even say an obsession, with happiness. The other thing that we have a fascination with and an obsession with is beauty. If you look at the top social media personalities, television, they're dominated by people who uh, dive into and teach and expound on the ideas of beauty. America has a beauty obsession. I was doing some research this week, and Americans spend about $15 billion a year. $15 billion would it be on plastic surgery, right? I have a chart here. We are now the number two nation in the world. Um, in the amounts of cosmetic procedures that are done throughout everywhere, just behind Brazil. So uh, $15 billion that people spend annually to try to perfect their exterior. As a culture, we really focus on the outward appearance of people, right? And there's reasons for that. Culture favors those who look good on the outside. They are seen as our brightest. They are seen as our best. In 2006, Harvard University studied this in a research project called Why Beauty Matters. And what the Harvard researchers were able to find is that it is indeed true that culture favors those who look put together on the outside. What they discovered is that people who were deemed as good-looking were earning higher wages. They were hired quicker into the workforce, and they were promoted faster. So there is definitely in culture a bias towards people who look together, look put together on the outside. Now this is the world culture. What we've been learning about in the Beatitudes is the culture of the kingdom of heaven. And the culture of the kingdom of heaven, we learned, is an upside down culture. It's really the opposite in the kingdom of heaven and what God sees as important doesn't line up with what this world sees as important. Right? The values are flipped. The standards are flipped. In God's kingdom, the poor are made rich. In God's kingdom, those who suffer will be made glad. Right? In God's kingdom, those who are least will be what? The greatest. Because in God's economy, in God's kingdom, the culture and the values are flipped on their head. And it's true even with this. God doesn't look at what you look like. God doesn't care about your bank account your achievements, your status, how many followers you have on social media. We, we see this, God explains it clearly in a famous instance in the Bible where Samuel, this prophet, was, was given the task by God to ordain the first king of Israel. And, and God made it very clear to Samuel what he looks for in people. And this is what we see here in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. This is the words of the Lord speaking to Samuel, and God says, The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by what? Outward appearance. But the Lord looks at what? The heart. The heart. Now, the heart here does not mean the blood pump in your body. The heart here is referring to your inner person. 
who you really are. Jesus in the Beatitudes clarifies for us what kind of heart God blesses. So here in Matthew 5.8, Jesus speaks these words. He says, God blesses, God makes happy those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. I want you to understand how big this, this statement is here for a couple of different reasons. First, God makes happy those whose hearts are pure, but it's the promise behind uh, the proclamation that's important to me. You get to see God. The idea of seeing God face to face, I don't know if that's something you think about regularly, but the idea of seeing God is just sometimes too much for me to, to think about. But here, what Jesus is emphasizing is the heart. Uh, it's interesting, Jesus doesn't commend people with high intellectual knowledge. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are those who know the most. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are those who look really good. Jesus is saying, blessed are people with pure hearts whose insides are right towards him. Again, biblically, the heart is the center of your personality. It's your affections. It's your emotions. It's your will. It's your intellect. And the point that Jesus was making here is it's not good enough for you just to look pure on the outside. Your inside needs to be right. What Jesus is doing is he's confronting He's confronting an idea, uh, a spirit of religion, of self-righteousness. Jesus is confronting an idea that was popular back then, really that was made popular by the Pharisees who were the religious leaders who really had reduced faith to a set of actions. They had reduced faith in God to a list of do's and don'ts. And what they were preaching to the people was like, as long as you follow this law, as long as on the outside it looks like you're following the law, you're going to be good with God. God will favor you because you're obeying the law. So this spirit of religiosity that existed in the day of people who said, you know, as long as you're a person who has a reputation and people look at you and say, wow, look how well put together that person is. Look at their beautiful robes. Look at the way they walk into the temple. As long as you're a person like that, you're good with God. Jesus is confronting that and saying, no, it's not good enough to look just good on the outside. As a matter of fact, God doesn't really care about that. God blesses what? A pure heart. He is confronting this idea, this hijacking of faith, that it's just how you look that matters. You see, these Pharisees, they were too outward focused. They really cared more about people's actions, but they really didn't care about their affections of their heart. I'm here to tell you this morning that God really cares more about the affections of your heart than he does so sometimes your actions. There were some pretty wild people in the Bible who did some pretty crazy things. Their actions didn't measure up. One of them was David. David did some wild, crazy things, but God still called him a man after my own heart because maybe on the outside he didn't have it all together, but his heart was right towards God. Jesus was not only confronting this idea of religiosity through works, but he was also, um, he was also condemning it. He was condemning this outward spirit. Later on in Matthew, in chapter 15, um, Jesus would say this. He would say, these people, about, he's talking about these religious people. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are what? Far from me. 
seeing, you know, just religious people who care what they look like on the outside. Oh, they talk a good game. They honor me with their lips. But their hearts, man, they're far gone. And Jesus exposes that. He condemns it. He confronts it. So my, my goal today is to, to walk us through what is a pure heart. What does Jesus mean when he says a pure heart? And, and to give you three aspects of what a pure heart is and why we should pursue a pure heart, okay? That's the first thing I want to try to accomplish this morning. And then I want to finish with some just practical steps of, of how you build a pure heart. Some things that you could walk away from this morning and say, hey, I could put this to practice today, this afternoon, of, of building this heart that's pure towards God. So I could see him. So I could experience this promise. So what is a pure heart? A, a pure heart is a heart that's marked by different standards. It, it's not an outward thing. It's, it's, a, it's marked by a people who've been transformed by the inside out. A, a pure heart is always shown not from the outside in, but people who've been changed from the inside out. God has grabbed a hold of their heart, of their spirit, of their thoughts, of their life, and as a result, he's changed them, and now their actions display something different. That is a person who has a, a, a pure heart. And all the Beatitudes really are, are driving at a people who live from the inside out. When you realize you are poor in spirit, that is something you need to realize where? Inside. Once you realize inside, God, I have nothing really good to give you. I'm poor. I need you. That's an inside disposition that changes the way you live outside. Uh, we see that with mourning. When you mourn your sin, you mourn your sin on the, on the inside. When you display meekness, meekness always needs to be developed within before you could show it without. Hungering for righteousness is, a, is an idea that we build within before we put that to work. And mercy, we receive mercy of God first for ourselves, then we are able to show mercy for others. You see, a pure heart is a heart that's been changed from inside by God doing the work in our life. Um, this word pure in, in Christianese, in church culture, the word purity could be a little bit off-putting, okay? Because usually people reduce the idea of purity to, to an, a list of do's and don'ts, the things that those people could do that we can't do. The word purity in church culture has been kind of trampled and misused and misapplied. And, and, and that's one thing I don't want you to think that Jesus is speaking of here, okay? Um, uh, when he, Jesus says, blessed is a person with a pure heart, he's not saying a heart that's without sin. This should come as a great relief for us this morning, okay? Uh, if anything, the Bible says that if we try to walk around and say that we don't have sin, you know what? We're deceiving ourselves. All of us are sinners. Every single person in this room has sin in their heart. So when Jesus says, blessed are those with a pure heart, he's not saying blessed is a person with a perfect heart. Blessed is a person with a heart that has no sin because no one would be blessed. Jesus would never give a promise that he could not fulfill the people. So, so purity is not perfectness. It's not, it doesn't mean sinlessness. I love what the old school English theologian A.W. Pink says here in this quote, purity of heart is not sinlessness of life. And this should come as a great comfort for us today. Thank you, Jesus, that a pure heart doesn't mean that I have to be sinless because I would never achieve, achieve it. 
When the Bible speaks of, of purity, there's three kind of facets of purity. There's a purity that only belongs to God. There's a, there's a pureness, a holiness that only God could achieve. It's so great. It's so magnificent. It's so glorious that even the angels in heaven, who've never sinned, by the way, they can't even see it. They have to cover their eyes with their wings because God's holiness and God's purity is so perfect that an angel can't even look at it. And this is a purity that, that, that is only for God. That's one kind of purity. And we see this in Isaiah 6, 3 here where the angels say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled of his glory. So that, that's one kind of purity. That's not the purity that Jesus is talking about here. Um, there's a future purity that belongs to us. There's a purity that we will experience when we are with Jesus in heaven. Because in Jesus' presence, there's no pain, there's no death, and guess what? There's no sin. So when you make it to heaven, there's a future purity that exists for you where you'll be able to live with in a place where there's no pain, no death, and no sin. We, we don't experience this on this side of heaven. We experience this in future when we get to Jesus in glory. Uh, John writes about this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, where he says, But we do know that we will be like him. You will be made holy like Jesus is holy when you're in heaven. Because in his presence, there's no sin. This is a future purity. We will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. The idea of you seeing Jesus face to face. I'm telling you, sometimes that's an idea that's just too much to think of. Sometimes, what that moment would be like. So there's a purity that belongs just to God. There's a purity that belongs to us in the future. But then there's a purity that exists here and now. That we get to experience in this life. And this is the purity that Jesus is saying. Hey, blessed are those with a pure heart. This is the kind of purity that we need to pursue, that we need to go after, that we need to try to, to achieve, so that way we could experience the blessing of seeing God at work in our life. But we do this. This is very important here. I don't want to pass this part up too quickly. Our pursuit of purity, our pursuit of holiness, needs to be centered in the gospel. It needs to be centered in the understanding that we will always miss the mark, and that God's grace and mercy makes it possible for us to even experience some purity of heart. So our pursuit is not one rooted in dogma and, and rules in religion. It's one in wanting to live your purpose of knowing and loving God. You see, God, what motivates me is I want to know you and I want to love you. So I will pursue purity of heart because you've called me to that. And because there's a promise behind that that says I get to see you not see you in the future. I get to see you now in this life. We'll talk more about that in a minute. So this purity that we pursue, we do so understanding the message of the gospel, that all have sinned and fallen short, but God's grace and mercy is sufficient for all of us. Amen? All right, let's get into it. Three aspects of a pure heart, okay? Three aspects of a pure heart, and then some steps that you could apply as you leave this place, okay? Um, when, when, when the Bible talks about purity in heart, it's really talking about a word that, that matches the meaning here, and it's the word integrity. Integrity. What Jesus is saying is, is blessed are people whose hearts have integrity. Integrity. That word integrity, um, again, uh, doesn't mean perfect, right? There's people who have integrity, but they were not perfect. Noah had integrity. Uh, he was not perfect. Moses had integrity. Uh, he was not perfect. Ruth had integrity. She was not perfect. 
David had integrity, and we all know he wasn't uh, perfect. So again, integrity doesn't match perfection, because if you needed perfection to have integrity, no one would have integrity. And there's probably people that you know who have uh, integrity. Uh, so what does it mean to have a pure heart, a heart of integrity? Uh, here's the first thing. I want you to write this down or you can take a picture of it. Um, a pure heart is a whole heart. Okay, that means your heart is undivided. But when Jesus says purity of heart, he's talking about a heart that is whole, a heart that is not divided amongst many different allegiances. Uh, this word integrity comes from the word integer, which is a math word. An integer is a whole number. That means it's not a fraction, it's not a decimal, it's not broken into pieces, it's whole. And, and in, the word integrity means whole. The word integration means to what? To make something whole, to bring things together. The opposite of integration is segregation. Segregation is what? The dividing of things. That is the opposite of integration. So God is saying, I don't want a heart that's segregated. I want a heart that's integrated, that has integrity because it is whole. It is not divided. You see, the issue with our lives is uh, we live in a way that's very compartmentalized. Part of our heart is set for our work self. We have our work self. Uh, part of our heart is set for our home self, and we're a whole different person in the home, and then we're a whole different person at the gym, and then we're a whole different person on our social media accounts, and then we're a whole different person in our relationships, and then we're a whole different person over here. And what happens to your heart when you live that way is you don't have integrity because your heart is torn in all these different directions. You have your work life, you have your social life, you have your relational life, you have your home life. Hey, you have your Jesus life. That's in its own little box. And, and Jesus is saying, that heart right there, I will not bless because it lacks integrity. It is very divided. Hey, have you ever felt like your heart looked like this? With chains just pulling it in every different direction? And it's hard. It's, it's a struggle. This is why there's, there's so much uh, hope for us in this message, because Jesus is saying a heart that's undivided is possible. James 4.8, listen to this. It says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty, your heart, is divided between God and the world. God is saying, I, I want your heart to be whole, undivided towards me. God will bless that heart. God will bless that heart. Why should we pursue an undivided heart? Well, we should pursue an undivided heart because it gives you perseverance. This is what allows you to push through the challenges of life. Right? The, the, one of the reasons why people fall apart and they feel overwhelmed and anxiety is at an all-time high is because people feel pulled in all these different directions. There's nothing firm. There's no foundation undergirding them. When your heart is whole towards God, you are filled with perseverance to push through the issues. Because your heart is focused on one thing. Hey, you're running your race on one track. When your heart is pulled in all these different directions, your race is being run on four, five, six different tracks. And you know what that leads to? Burnout. Some of you are burnt out right now because your heart is too divided amongst too many things. And God is saying, will you just draw close to me? Will you just purify your heart? Because right now your heart is all over the place. A pure heart is a whole heart, undivided towards God. When we pursue it, it gives us perseverance. 
Psalms 86.11 says, Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. When someone lives for God and, and it's God first, that is a pure heart. Have you ever experienced where you're in a moment but you're not really there? Have you ever been so distracted, so overwhelmed? I mean, some of you, you're here, but you're not really here right now. Because your mind and your heart are so, another place. And some of you just got elbowed and you say, wait, wait, what happened? What is that? That's my point. Have you ever felt in life like you were present, but you were not really present? You know why that is? Because our hearts are divided in so many different directions. There's so many distractions in a world that's so connected through digital media and the internet and, and, and through telephones and through all of that. In a world that is so connected, we become so disconnected because our hearts are so divided. Just go to a restaurant and see couples eat dinner. You'll see it for yourself. They don't even talk. They're on their phones. The level of distractions, the level of sensory um, stimulation is so high. Our hearts are pulled in all these directions. And Jesus is saying, hey, blessed are those who are pure in heart, whose hearts are whole and undivided because they're focused on me. You see, getting this first button right lines up the rest of the shirt, right? All of us, our top button changes every day. What's going to be my top button today? My work. Tomorrow it's going to be your kids. The next day it's going to be your your, your, your Manny and your Patty. The next day it's going to be your bills. The next day it's going to be the car. Then it's going to be the landscaping and the vacation planning and then this and then that. And then every day your top button is different. And if you get the top button wrong, what happens to the rest of the shirt? Everything else is misaligned, right? And God is saying, get your top button right. Have a heart that's undivided. Everything else will fall in line heart is undivided towards God. So what is a pure heart? It's a heart that's whole, that's undivided. The second thing that a pure heart is, is it's a genuine heart. It is an authentic heart. That means your heart is not phony. That means there's no pretenses to your, to your walk or to your faith. That means there's no such thing as fake it till you make it when it comes to your faith with God. That means you're the same person, whether you're meeting the King of England or you're congratulating congratulating the kindergarten student who just graduated here. There's a genuineness of heart. There's an authenticity to your heart. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying a person with a pure heart is genuine. They're real. They're not fake. They're not phony. Hey, they don't wear a mask. You know, the ancient Greeks, they perfected theater. And in ancient Greek theater, it would be one actor who would come out in front of the auditorium and he would play the part and then they would run backstage grab a different mask, put a different mask on, come out and play a different part because it was one actor who would play the different parts. And depending on whether the play was a comedy or a tragedy, they would wear a different mask. And you know what these actors were known as? You know what the name that was given to them? They were given the name Hippocritos. Hippocritos, where we get the word hypocrite. And what is a hypocrite? A person who puts on a mask person who to you wears one mask, to them puts on another mask. And Jesus is saying the person who has a, a, a pure heart, a person who has a genuine heart, an authentic heart, is not, is not a hypocrite. It's not a hypocrite. Jesus would speak this clearly, very clearly in Matthew chapter 22 when he would call out those Pharisees. And look at the word Jesus uses to call these Pharisees. You know what he calls them? Hypocrites. 
He's saying, you're like these Greek actors. You go and you put one face on in front of these people when you do your religious things, and then back in private, you're somebody else. And I love what Jesus uses here, this picture. He says, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead stuff. I love that image of a person who is not genuine in heart, who is not authentic. You are like a tomb. You know what? It's clean and it's tidy on the outside, but inside, you know what it really is? It's dead. It's dead. So why should we pursue? Why should we pursue having a genuine heart? Because having a genuine heart gives you confidence. It gives you confidence. You're no longer worried about what face you're putting on in front of different people. Uh, People like being around people who are genuine or people who are authentic because they know who you are and they know what they're going to get from you. There's no differences in you. Uh, It gives you confidence. It gives you freedom in knowing that you're known and that you're loved by God for who you are, your imperfections and all. No longer living for people's approval. Now you're living for God's approval. Proverbs 10.9 says this, people with integrity, that's what we're talking about here. A heart of purity is a heart of integrity. People who walk with integrity walk safely. They walk confidently. Right? Were you a person who was a, you know, a self-prescribed liar? Did you ever live that life? Where you had a different story for every single person, and it was so draining, so exhausting to keep all your stories straight. And you would step up to a person, and you would kind of read them up, and in your subconscious, you would say, okay, what story did I tell you? Because i got to get my story right for you, because it's different from that person over there, and it's different than that person over there. You don't walk safely. You don't walk confidently, because you're not genuine with anybody. Your stories are always different for everyone. Now you're exhausting yourself trying to keep your lies straight. And guess what? That kind of person will always be exposed. That kind of person will be exposed because your paths are all crooked. But the person who walks in integrity walks confidently. Because, hey, I don't have no lies to have to keep up with. It's the same story for everyone because I'm the same with everyone. So having integrity of heart by being genuine, by being authentic, leads to confidence. A pure heart is also a sincere heart. It means it's candid. It means it is what it is. That means your motivations, and motivations are important because motivations drive actions, and motivations originate in your heart. You see, what motivates you to take actions is what your heart tells you. So, so a heart that's sincere, that's candid, is always motivated by the right things. Hey, did you know you could be motivated to pray for people for your benefit? but also be motivated to pray for people for their benefit? What motivates you? A heart that's candid, a heart that's sincere, is always motivated by the right things. You know what a sincere heart is? It's what you do when no one's looking. What do you do when no one's looking? That's proof of a sincere heart. I'm going to date myself here, but there was a show that came out a long time ago called Candid Camera. Anyone ever remember this show? Right? This is Alan Fun. I really think this was the pre predecessor to the whole prank genre. Like today is social media, all these pranks that you see today, these hidden camera tricks. This is where it started, children. In the nineteen forties. It's not a new idea. <laughs> because the whole idea of the show was we're gonna set up some cameras and we're gonna see what people do when they think that no one is watching you. And boy did we see some things, right? 
And some things were very sincere, and some things were very unsincere. But sincerity of heart, a heart that is candid, is a heart that's motivated by the right things. Listen, what you do in the dark when no one's looking matters. It's not your reputation. Man looks at the reputation. God looks for a sincere heart. Are you the real deal, even when no one's watching, even when no one's around? Are you the real deal? Proverbs 11.20 says this, The Lord detests people with crooked hearts, right? People who have wrong motivations in their heart. People with unsincere, uncandid hearts. Their hearts are crooked. But he delights with those who have what? Integrity. Integrity. A pure heart. God delights in those things. Why should you pursue a pure heart? Why should you pursue having a sincere heart? Because this is your legacy. These are the things that people will remember about you, is the things that you think no one sees, but they catch it. You see, it's easy to turn it on when everybody's watching, isn't it? Hey, it's easy for me to preach right now because I have an audience, I have people watching at home. But, but, but what, what do I do when no one's watching me at home? When it's just me in my room? That's what matters. How am I with my home, with my children? That's what matters. That's what people remember. Why should we pursue a sincere heart? It's because that's your legacy. That's what people will remember about you. Just this last week, I graduated my, my last group of eighth graders, right? I'm an eighth grade teacher, and we walked 67 eighth graders across the stage. And a tradition at our school, the last week, they write us letters. Not all of them, but some of them write us letters. And as I was reading the letters of the students, the things that I thought would stand out, the lessons, the work, the learning, those things that I had put time and energy into, they weren't even there. I was like, what? But you know what touched them? When I asked someone, how was your day? Why are you sad? There's something in your eye, can I help you with that? You see, it's the little things that we do that we don't really want a claim for that matter. Those things matter. A sincere heart, a heart that's candid, is what you do when no one's watching. Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, A godly heart with integrity. The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are what? The children who follow after them. You see, your legacy, it could be your spiritual children, it could be your friends, it could be your family members, it could be your, your biological children, but a person who, a godly person who walks in integrity will bless their children because they will pick up on those things. So why should we pursue a heart that's pure? Why should we pursue it? Man, because your kids are watching. And not only your kids, but the world is watching. And when you have that Jesus follower label on you, these small things are the things that are going to matter most in their life. So pursue a pure heart. Now, at this point here, I want to talk to those of you who say, you know what? This is not me. I could be meek. I could be merciful. I could hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'm definitely poor in spirit, but I'm not pure in heart. I've messed this up. How can I get this right when my whole life I've messed up? Listen, if you're here today and you're saying these things sound impossible to do, guess what? They are impossible to do. That's why you need God. But if you're here and you've messed this up and you haven't lived with a pure heart, 
for 40, 50, 60, 70 years, 20, 15 years, whatever it is, that's fine. You know what? It's never too late to start. Start today. Make a decision today that, you know what? I will be a person who walks in integrity. And God, I may have gotten it wrong for 25 years, but starting today, God, I will pursue this purity of heart that you've called me to do. The greatest way you could show integrity is sometimes after you've messed something up. So, hey, if you've gotten this wrong, if you've messed this up, it's a great opportunity today to start living with integrity, to start living with a pure heart that's whole towards God, that's undivided, that's genuine, that's authentic, that's candid, that's, that's uh, sincere. You could start that today because that's what God does for us. That's what he does for us. Here, let me just leave you with this. Um, some integrity builders. You know a person, I mentioned him before, who walked in integrity was David. David, his life, man, he blew it over and over again. I mean, he did some pretty vicious, horrible, uh, terrible things. But God calls him a man after my own heart. In spite of that, God calls him. God put that on him. That's not, you know, something he got printed on a t-shirt and put on himself. No, God gave him that title. A man after my own heart. Someone who had messed up so bad. But still God saw his heart. It was still pure. It was still genuine. It was still true. It was still sincere. It was still candid. It was still authentic. I, I think we can learn from David what it takes to, to develop a pure heart, right? So we're going to read from a couple Psalms, and I'm just going to go through these really quick. This is the application. You know what a pure heart is now. It's sincere. It's authentic. It's, it's candid. It's genuine. It's undivided. It's whole. Now, how do I live this out? What does this look like when I leave this place? Let's listen from, from the words of David, okay? Beginning in Psalms 119. David asked this question, how can a young person stay pure? And, and all of us are young. Listen, if you're here and you're breathing, you're young. So how can you stay pure? Uh, obey the word of God. Number one, here's something you could practice very easily when you leave this place. You want to stay pure in heart? Obey the word of God. You know what that means? That means you seek to please God not people. That means you seek to please God first and not people. Okay? Because that's the first button. That's the first button that you've got to get right. When you want to please God and not people, man, you're going to stay pure. You're going to stay pure. That's number one. Now let's go to Psalms chapter 15 in verse 1 and 2. This is David again. And David says, Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence of your holy hill? He's saying, who's pure enough? Who's holy enough to, to walk into your sanctuary, Lord? And here's the answer. Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from what? A sincere, a sincere uh, another word there, pure, people who speak the truth from a sincere, pure heart, those are the ones who are going to enjoy the presence of God. Okay? Now, this is just verses 1 and 2, but I want you to keep going down a little bit. Keep going down a little bit, and David tells you the people who are this, some things that they do. So the first one was uh, seek to, to please God, not people. And if you look at verse 3, uh, David says, people who have a sincere, pure heart, they refuse to get involved in gossip. And I know I'm stepping on some toes here. He's saying people who are pure in heart, you know what they do? They refuse to get involved in gossip. The Bible again and again says that people who partake in gossip lack integrity. You know what the church needs more of? People who can hold a secret. 
people who could be mature about things and not feel like they got to go and run on blast and post on social media every single little thing that they heard. The ones who will enter into the holy place, the ones who will worship on the holy hill are those who refuse to participate in gossip. And listen, can I just burst your bubble today? Because I've heard many people say, well, I can't help it. They just come to me. I'm a trustful person. No, you're not. You're a garbage can. Because the Bible doesn't distinguish from giving gossip or receiving gossip. It's all gossip. So don't be so full of yourself. Remember, that's a couple messages ago. And think, well, I'm just a trustful person. They just want, they just come to me, and they just unload it to me. No, you become a garbage can for people that they feel they can open up and throw all their trash into it. Don't reduce yourself to being people's garbage can. If people want to come to you and speak things about other people, remember, hypocritos, hypocritos, right? Because they're going to say one thing to you and maybe to that other person. They're going to be all nicey-dicey around them. And that's a lack of integrity. So people who flow in integrity refuse to participate in gossip. They please God, not people. And God is never pleased with gossip. One thing God hates is a lying tongue and people who cause division. The Bible says, warn them once, and after that, have nothing to do with them. People who cause division. That's scripture. Warn them once. And after that, say, I can't do this with you anymore. Let's keep going down. These are things that you could apply when you leave this place. Don't participate in gossip. Two, please God, not people. If you look at verse 4, people who flow in integrity keep their promises. They keep their promises, even when it hurts. That's what the psalm says. That means, hey, when you say you're going to do something, do it. That's integrity. If you are the kind of person who says you're going to do something and never does it, that is a lack of integrity in your heart. Okay? And one of the easiest ways to hurt children is for parents to promise them, promise them things and never follow up on it. Never fulfill it. Never fulfill it. So my question to you is, what promises have you broken lately? Have you promised your wife that you were going to change something about yourself and you haven't done it? That's a lack of integrity. Have you promised your boss you were going to do something at your job and you haven't done it? That's a lack of integrity. Have you promised God that you were going to do something and you haven't done it? That's a lack of integrity. People who flow in integrity keep their promises, even when it hurts. Even when it hurts. Look at Job. Job suffered loss. Job suffered destruction in his life, but one thing he did not lose was his integrity. You know what God did for him? In the end, he blessed him two times. Two times. Why? Because he kept his promises, even when it hurt him. Let's keep reading. In verse 5, it says, people who lend money with no interest, that means you live generously. People who flow in integrity, they live generously. They are givers. There are people whose first disposition is not, what can I get from this situation and run? Their first disposition is always, what can I give to this? How can I help? What can I do? How can I step up? How can I make myself available? Hey, I might not have much, but I have something to give. That's a person of integrity. That's a person who lives generously. And by the way, biblically speaking here, this whole idea of uh, lending money without receiving interest also means paying your debt. Stepping on some other toes here. See, you've been dodging those phone calls, those collector calls. Delete, delete. That's a lack of integrity. If you borrow, the Bible says, the wise person, the, the person with integrity, repays what they borrow. 
So living generously and paying your debts is a person who flows with integrity. The last thing it says there is a person who cannot be bribed, a person who cannot be bought. That means you're a person who, who, who doesn't see their integrity as something that comes with a price tag. This is really focusing in on, on your work ethic. This is talking about how you comport yourself at your job. Are you a person who could be bribed at your job and do a less day's work than you're being paid for? That's a lack of integrity. If you're punching in late but writing on your time card that you're on time, that's a lack of integrity. Hey, if you're you know bringing work materials home to keep at the house in your garage, that's a lack of integrity. Hey, it doesn't matter if everyone else at the workplace is doing it. That doesn't matter. They are not followers of Jesus. You are. It's a lack of integrity. A person who flows in integrity cannot be bribed, cannot be bought. That means they go to their job, they put an honest day's work in, and they get paid for what they do. They don't steal. They don't take the payoff for the easier route. It's interesting. You guys were in church for an hour and a half on Sundays, but you're at your workplace for 40 hours a week. That means your testimony. That means your opportunity to display who Jesus is in your life. Is it more efficient done here or at your workplace? At your workplace. So when you're there, let your light shine. Flow in integrity. Be a leader. Stand out. Be different. It doesn't matter if everyone else is doing it. You're the Jesus follower. You do the example. You flow in integrity. And this is it. Why are we doing this? So we can see God. Remember, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. Now I know Exodus chapter 33 verse 20 says, you cannot see God. No one will see God and live. I know that's what Exodus chapter 33 says there. So you might be asking, why would Jesus make this promise if it's impossible for us to see God? Well, very famous verse, with God, the impossible becomes what? Possible. Now, Jesus is not saying you will see an apparition of God. Hey, you could have the purest of heart. You know what? You won't walk around one day and say, hey, hey, it's God. I see him. How are you doing? He's not saying you will physically see God. No one could do that. That's what Exodus chapter 33 says. But what, 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 what he is saying is, one, you will see him in the future. Again, back to 1 John chapter 3, right? One day we will see him for what he really is. That is the future part of the promise. But there is a present part of this promise of seeing God. And what, 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 what Jesus is saying here is when your heart is, is holy towards God, W-H-O-L-L-Y, when your heart is holy committed, sincere, authentic, genuine, candid towards God, you get to see God in your life. Because those people are close to him. And people who are close to God, they experience the presence of God in their life. They experience the power of God in their life. They experience the peace of God in their life. They experience the pardon and the forgiveness of God in their life. And they get to live their purpose of knowing and, 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 and loving God. That's how you see God. A person who has a pure heart looks at their life and says, man, in the good, in the bad, and in the ugly, God, I see your handprints all over the place. You were there. So we see him that way. Do you see God that way? When you look at the inventory of your life, can you say, man, I see God's hand on me in that moment. Raise your hand if you can see God's hand on your life. 
That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, it's not saying you're going to see him walking down the street, but you're going to see the evident work of his hand in your life. And you get to experience that when your heart is pure from him. So please, God, not people. Don't gossip. Live generously. Don't be bribed. And you will see God. Amen. Can we stand together?